0: Hmm. Wow, there's a guys. We're probably trying to figure so out when this is going to on. I mean, how many times have we've been doing this
1: now? Uh, since November. Uh oh, yeah. Uh-oh. issue.
0: Mm. All right, I don't know. Yeah, keep going. On YouTube, keep going. YouTube. Oh, Facebook went down. Yeah, right. don't worry. Sorry, about. Facebook Sorry, Facebooks. All right, <laughs> wait. Hopefully, Dave will get back up. Oh man, look at that. Alright, so we'll start off today, uh, you know, I don't know, you know there's
1: two big news today, right? Yeah, well I know the the biggest one, I'm gonna say the biggest one, anyway. What's the biggest one? uh what? We're giving away five thousand dollars in salt. No, no, no. The biggest that's
0: news huge. is I found my hat.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean it's been
0: like three episodes, no hat. So that's big <laughs> news. No, yeah. So we're giving away five grand in salt.
1: Yeah. 60 buckets, man. Just join yeah. the hashtag Aspirus TV group. 30 Tropic Marin Pros, the big size, and 30 of the Brightwell Brightwell Neomarine. Ship for free. Yeah. So salt. 60 liters. Um, <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> that's a lot of people I got to contact.
0: You know, man, I didn't really do the math on it. Like, yeah, let's give away 30 buckets of salt. And then you, like, made me look at it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, man. That's three big win. Yeah. And then, like... And then uh, Yeah, then we're like, oh, let's go right while and do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we got, uh, what's the day? Monday. So you got till Friday morning. It's, like... Thursday at midnight. Thursday going into Friday midnight. That's when, cl- when, That's when we just close it down. Thursday midnight. Uh, but you might still be able to get in towards the end, early, early, early morning. Friday so morning. Charlie picks early morning. One of us will. It's yeah. 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 There we go. We'll All right. See. All right. And uh,
0: for everybody else, uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying them. And for everybody else, uh, preferred reefers, we are giving away some mortars like we do yeah. in the beginning of one Four of these of things. Four of them. Four man. Of the All right. Oh, I know you print them out in a different manner today. What do you mean? Uh, it's easier to read. Yeah. It's
1: bravo. highlighter. Yeah, bravo. Sometimes I'm off all one. right.
0: So first person is Billy Turpin. Uh, he got a replacement roller mat from Fleece from Thieling, thirty-three ninety-nine. Bravo, going back to the account.
1: Easy peasy. Today. All
0: right. All right. Rory uh, Skopek is uh, getting his order of uh, seven pounds of uh, Pharma Soda Ash and one cartridge refill of DI resin. For uh, thirty-five ninety-eight, you actually spent ten dollars and fifty cents of uh, reward points I'm last I get time. those back too. Yep, give them back the whole yeah, thing. why not? All right, right on. <laughs> Donald Portland is getting Pro Reef Salt from Tropic Rin. Oh, a little guy though. It was uh, 42.22,
1: 41.22? Yeah, you know that's the, the big ones aren't that bad. If you guys haven't watched the salt, mix, uh, the salt per gallon mm. video, like. It was about it's the same. It's almost uh, across the board. I know. The big one, like, don't be weary of that price tag. The big one will last you a long time. You know what I learned out of that episode actually? Uh. Was if you sell salt,
0: don't sell 200 gallons because it just seems expensive. <laughs> uh, like you've priced yourself out of the market just due to the fact that you put more in the bucket. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's so, like, it really is almost the same price as all the rest of them. Yeah. So, m- you know, uh, moral of the story, if you're gonna sell salt, sell 140 gallon bucket and it'll look cheap. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, not really, but yeah, I was, I was couldn't believe it when you were like was like how much was it a gallon? 49 cents? or which one? I don't know, almost all of them. Oh, they're almost, one, yeah, one they're thing.
1: right around 50 cents a gallon. I think like 49 cents a gallon highest was like 55, lowest was like 49, or 30, or maybe 38 or something.
0: Some people did call you out that you could uh, get uh, the instant you can get ocean the boxes.
1: Inst- yeah, the 200 gallon boxes, which is f- essentially 40 gallons more, depending on what salinity that they're mixing uh, mixing it up to, which is like 1.021, which not nobody 40 really used. Really. Yeah, so it's probably uh, 30, maybe? Maybe, Yeah. total. But, uh, uh, yeah, yep, yeah,
0: that's cheap too. I mean, made it a little cheaper. Good on, good on uh, people for calling you out. I yeah, guess. Yeah, true. And uh, we have a Vortech MP40 quiet side assembly from Ecotech. That was seventy-eight seventy-five. Right on, man. Eighty or no, 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 eighty-eight seventy-nine. Going back to your account. Bravo, man. Uh, this is going to that's Brian uh, Pelworski, so of New York. Cool. Awesome, man. I'll so, for you guys, winner. I'll have those in there today. Before All right, we Dave, page. did you figure out the Facebook thing? I thought I did.
1: But thought you did? We might right. just be with YouTube in it today. YouTube today. That's cool. That's it. And then YouTube's going to miss an A, but that's all right, because Facebook has already kind of seen what we're going to talk about today. Uh, oh, we're doing like the same thing we did last week, where, hey, if you're, not, if you're on the business Facebook page for Bulk Reef Supply, Adam, and sometimes Ryan and I suggest some, but he goes in there and he picks out like the featured threads of the day uh, from the hashtag AskBRS TV group, posts them on the business Facebook page, so you guys can kind of get a glimpse at what's happening over there, and uh, then we're going to talk about them. Because they're right. pretty cool. So we're going to talk about the exact ones that he pulled out from
0: last week? Yeah, same thing we did last week. All right, solid. <laughs> all right. I thought we pulled out separate ones of our own last week. Um, we did. I don't care. I'm pretty wrong. certain. I think we pulled out our own little highlights. But we'll go with Adam's highlights. So, all right, man. we we'll pull them out, man. we'll start with the first one. I don't know what any of them are, to be honest. So we're just going to wing it today, and uh, we're going to find out. Right, can uh, you read so, that?
1: Yeah, John John has uh, posted a picture of a chalice that I was reading the, in the comment section that he just bought this chalice. It's recovering pretty good. So, But he was really wondering, uh, what is the optimum temp for a reef tank? And uh, his 75 gallons has, you know, some monies, some chalices, some acans, some acros, and about 10 different other kinds of, like, mushrooms and softies. He just wants to know what to set his tank at all right man all right so what is uh your
0: opinion man uh the <laughs> best temp for a reef tank
1: i i don't know i think that 78 is so common across the board that uh, i don't think i've shot for anything other than 78. where do you think 78 came from it's got to be like the it's got to be the right like answer. the mean uh, i don't know it's got to be like the mean of the of the oceans around the world because they all vary like some degrees probably
0: you know when i was doing the temp uh, episode for uh, the hybrid series man it's actually the opposite it's not like most of them are over 80 degrees oh, like really? uh, 82 or whatnot you know and again it depends on the depth and whatever but right. like you know like most of the reefs were like over 80 degrees hmm. right so not many people are intentionally keeping their tanks around there right? where 78 came from I, don't know. I, I, I have no idea other than 78 just seems to be what everybody's doing and uh, we've all seen success using it but almost universally like you ask somebody what should I set my tank to yeah, 78 78
1: yeah oh I mean we uh, flirted with uh, higher temps uh, not accidentally probably uh, being like in the upper 80s 82 83 and I'm starting to get into a danger zo- a zone where I'm not comfortable And there's, like, you can see some stress on on some of the corals. Rather, that's because of the change from being at 78 all the time to now changing to 83, and that's stressful versus if I just kept my tank at 83. But I don't think I want to go higher than, like, 82, 83 ever on purpose. So, Uh, One of the things I talked to you about with Josh over at WWC when we were talking
0: about temperature was the fact that, like, Really, in the ocean, there's all kinds of things. So yeah, you're running 82 degrees, but you know what? Like, uh, you have tremendous flow there. There's surging effects. They're flushing everything away. You're getting rid of the oxidants and byproducts. Mm -hmm. And like, the ocean is like a a, you know, you know, presumably an ideal so uh, environment for this organism that evolved over a millennia to live in it. Uh, And so, you know, and you know. You know, apparently temperatures are rising in the in the oceans and stuff, but like what we're seeing here is, you know what, just because it's okay at 82, it's actually okay a lot lower than that. And let's give a buffer because in the aquarium, if I started at 82, well, now the lights are hot or the, you know, my heater gets, or furnace gets stuck on or, you know, somebody decides to crank the heat up or whatever in the house or, you know, it just breaks, my air conditioner breaks. Man, I started at the edge of where things are going to go south. Right. 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 And so, you know, I had to agree with him in the essence that, like, hey, man, like, let's make sure that we're a little ways away from real danger. Because in a home environment, we're shooting for safe, not maximum, right? Mm-hmm. And also, things at higher temperatures happen faster, right? And so almost everything happens faster biologically at right. a higher temperature. So, like, Cyano and stuff will grow faster. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe algaes algae grow faster. Yeah. The corals probably go faster. Uh, the fish probably uh, swim faster. Uh, well, swim, <laughs> yeah, swim faster. <laughs> uh, the fish probably's metabolic rate probably goes yeah. up too. They're you know producing waste faster. Yeah. And, uh, consuming energy faster. Yeah. So, you know it be it'd be really interesting to you know get to the bottom of some of those things. How do you
1: how do you feel about the mitigating swings in the tank, like just regular old daily swings? That because I've seen you program uh, a Neptune heater in the hysteresis mm-hmm. and make it so tight that the uh, eventually it just wears out the energy bar from on and off cycles. But is that level of just straight? I want to stay seventy eight and not a tenth above or below. Uh, And we don't know,
0: right? So I know uh, stable counts in a captive environment, right? right? So, you know, the more stable it is, the more better, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, But like, does it really matter? So in the ocean, for sure, you're seeing surges. So anybody who's like dived or snorkeled or whatnot has definitely been swimming around Mm and then all of a sudden you feel like a cold burst, right? Uh, And so, yeah, currents are coming in They're You know, uh, they're going out or, you know, the tide or riptide or whatnot, you know, often in these reefs, all the water's coming in from the ocean, piling up on the shore and all of a sudden it decides to, you know, warms up and all of a sudden it decides to come back out. Right. So, you know. I don't think that it's certainly not within one tenth of a degree uh, in, in the ocean changing Man, It's probably much wider than that. I mean,
1: over over an average, if you average like a week's worth of temperatures, it's probably pretty damn stable, you think. Oh, average, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yeah, but if I average a five-point swing, man, one way or the other, it'll probably it'll hit be the average. middle. It'll be
1: average. Exactly. That's why they call uh, it the average.
0: Yeah, I don't know. So I guess my answer to this one would be 78 because 78 works. Yeah. Uh, and I know that there's other people. I've talked to at some shows who are like, they just want to eliminate the uh, whole heater from the whole mix because it's just a failure point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're like, yeah, man, my tank runs at, you know, 73. So presumably the tank will run at somewhere around your... Room temperature, yeah, which most people is like 70 degrees, and then heat up from a handful of things that are running in the in the tank, minus the evaporation, uh, evaporative cooling. Yeah. So you're know, probably somewhere around 74, maybe uh, or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, a- after all things said and done, depending on how much equipment's on the tank. Yeah. And it's probably getting a pretty good swing from the lighting that turns on during the day and, and
1: heats up the tank. So i don't know you know well looking at the comments uh, uh, most of everybody's chiming in with that 70 i'm seeing 76 to like 80 range so yeah. right in that same spot I yeah i definitely like at, at points tried to run
0: 80 just because uh uh you know i thought corals would grow faster or whatnot mm. and that might be a good brstv investigates because it's super easy to do oh yeah you know we just control time some of them yeah. at 70 or 82 like the ocean 80 and 78 maybe even lower at 76. And I think we can find out, you know, the answer to that question. Uh, I'm a little concerned that if we found out 82 grew them a lot faster, people would treat temp like horsepower, uh, <laughs> like more more better. But yeah. uh, you know what? At least we're making a, an intelligent decision at yeah, that point, true. you know? Yeah. As long
1: as you can mitigate everything else that happens fast with higher temp chew. So yeah, like, like if you could, the edge, there's a lot man. to control when you're at those high speeds.
0: Yeah, yep. ride the edge. All right, man. Well, uh, what? I better. don't know. Victoria above seventy-eight in the house gets really humid. Uh, you know what? There's something to be said about that cool house and warm water. Oh. You know, sometimes you don't think about that stuff, man. I, actually, you know, I had those big frag tanks in my basement, which are like four by eight, and there was two of them. Yeah. And uh, humid wasn't the word; it was like a rainforest out there. <laughs> and you know, it was only that way for like a year, but. Like if I left it that way, I would have destroyed the house. Oh, the
1: yeah, the trusses, the support beams, everything. Just yeah, I kind mean, of, I'm surprised
0: there weren't like frogs and stuff living in there. <laughs> uh, and then funny funny enough, I you know sometimes you just don't think about things. So I went and installed a vent on the house, you know, to blow air out of the basement. And yeah, I thought that smart was going to be the oh, that was stupid. It didn't do anything. No, it did, man. Like and so it's really obvious after the fact, right? Uh-huh. So what it did is during the summer, all of a sudden my air conditioning couldn't keep up. Oh yeah. Uh, like I don't know where man, I can't like keep the house cool and like I just couldn't figure out why. And then one day I went and opened up the uh, closet to the jackets and just got hit in the face with heat. Yeah. Right? I'm like, wow man. And what I was doing is it's blown the air out of the basement, created a vacuum in the house. The air needs to come back in somewhere. It turns Uh, out the easiest place for it to come back in was through the superheated attic, Mm -hmm. you know, above uh, the part of the house, and there was a big crack in the ceiling in the cloak closet (laughs) where all of the hot air would pour in, you know, through that superheated. That was just the easiest place for it to come back in, so it did. And so when I was blowing it all out, I was heating the hell out of my house. Uh, in the middle of the summer so it's terrible give and take yeah so you got to think about that stuff so if it was in the basement what i really should have done is vented air in somewhere and out and it probably would have been fine balance it out and you know yeah. it would have been hot down there in the basement but uh, i may not have made it up to the upstairs where it's being actively cool to the air conditioner yeah so, huh. yeah i learn something new every day good point victor uh, i won't do that again
1: <laughs> yeah humidity uh, uh good point all right what's the next one uh, let's grab one here what do we got all right, uh, read up Oh, uh, Yeah, this was the the cuttlefish one. It oh, looks yes. like um, it looks like his post got cut off here on on the screenshot, but uh, basically it was a video of Alexander has got some baby cuttlefish happening, and uh, he wanted to share it on AskBRS TV So we all got in there and said, oh, cool." And if you this is linked in the, this is linked in, the, in both the Facebook business page and uh, on the AskBRS TV So. Uh, go check it out if you haven't. Baby cuttlefish. We had a cuttlefish here once didn't in the well. office, didn't we? Yeah. So I, I got a good question for you guys, and hopefully
0: Dave can catch it. Cuttlefish, you know, responsible fish to keep or irresponsible? Because uh, these mm. things only live like a year, right? On, like naturally? hmm Yeah, in the ocean, man. They only live like less than a year. So if you get one, you know, you have no idea how long it's
1: gonna last. I think you could make the same argument about fish that live 30 years and trying to keep them in the tank. Like, is it, is their average lifespan? If their average lifespan is more than a decade, is it responsible for us to keep them? Uh, Even though we might not be successful for more than a decade. You know, I think
0: you get better at it, right? So like the first uh, yellow tang we pulled out of the ocean, probably didn't live that long. Uh, Now, man, they live 20 years. They probably live longer in the aquarium than they do in the ocean. And right. now we are,
1: with captive breeding, I mean, you have well, to nobody's trying to learn. eat them.
0: you know, like uh, in the ocean, man, everybody's like, uh, eat or get eaten, you All know, right. so... I mean, granted, they're feeding somebody in that case, but
1: yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, so I don't know, man. I've always really been interested in cuttlefish and somebody did bring one in once uh, and the local wholesaler got them in uh-huh. and I've always wanted to do it. But like, you know, this is kind of the thing you got to do a lot of research for. So like oh, we yeah. did the harem tank, it isn't just decide that you want to do a clown harem. I mean, like do some research about the, you know, all the places where somebody went wrong in the past, you yeah. know? And then Mm -hmm. actively solve them ahead of time, rather than deal with it afterward. And in this case, you can actually breed the, uh, cuttlefish. I I don't want to say easy, but like, uh, it's definitely can be done. And if you breed the cuttlefish and lay their legs, man, like, you know, you're definitely creating a more sustainable solution than anything.
1: I mean, you're so. expanding the you're expanding the hobby, the fun. I mean, it's fun. It's a hobby that you can explore a ton of avenues. So start breeding some things. I mean, there's diff- there's an inherent difficulty and in extra time and effort. And for all of those people that breed stuff out there, you know, kudos to you because I don't have time for it. Mm-hmm. Like Chad, his yeah. entire house is dedicated to breeding fish. Mm-hmm. He does a really good job at it. Uh, They're
0: all over the place, yeah. Like so many tanks, floor to ceiling. Yeah, Uh, he comes here, he works. He got a wife that loves it too. Yeah, Yeah, good for him. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, The uh, cuttlefish, though, some of you may not know what a cuttlefish is. So it's it's you know from the like cephalopod family, like kind of like an octopus Mm -hmm. or whatnot. Uh, And they change colors, and some of them, like the flamboyant cuttlefish, like change all kinds of colors. Yeah and uh, do yourself a favor and go google uh or youtube uh like flamboyant cuttlefish and you know the way that it feeds is like it shoots out all these colors out of his tentacles i often call it like the Jimi hendrix to like it just goes up to you and just shoots <laughs> colors you know in your face are and you before you know you got eaten yeah are you experienced Bam. Uh, it's Shoot. the craziest thing man huh. uh, the wild uh like it reminds me like the 60s even though i wasn't there yeah, you know, the wild, Psych- crazy psychedelic, color Psychedelics, psychedelic, psychedelic yeah. cuttlefish. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've always wanted one. And you know,
1: my the extent of my knowledge of cuttlefish goes to we used to keep birds when I was a kid, and you can get a cuttlefish bone, gra- little thing mm. that you can put in the bird cage for them to, you know, sharpen their beaks on and grind mm-hmm. their keys. That's all I know.
0: No, you see them in the in the like Asian seafood mix a lot too.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, huh? Uh, I don't know. So. I personally would never start a seahorse tank because it's just too much work for me. Oh, yeah, uh, but like everybody wants those kind of species specific things. If I was gonna go species specific cuttlefish all the way. Oh yeah. Like it's just a super 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 neat animal. It kinda like crawls around in the sand, you know. Yeah. and uh Jimmy Hendrix its prey. <laughs> Boom. You know, uh, I don't know. That's it's cool. Got to keep its food alive though, and stuff too, man. So it's a process. Yeah. Ah, oh, jeez. Actually, speaking of that, uh, we're gonna—I don't know where we're gonna put them. I think we're gonna put them in here, maybe. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Elliot over Marine Collectors uh, picked me up. He asked me what I, uh, what I wanted for some fish, some other different ones outside of the stuff he's already gonna give us. And I told him uh, a pair of golden dwarf moray eels. Mm. Boom! He sent me a picture of them the next day. Here they are. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> them yet, but I think he sent them on Tuesday. So, uh, I mean, that's like, generally reef safe, right? I've had one before. Yeah, yeah. I would call it generally reef safe. Okay. You know, because the eels only get about this big. It's way smaller than like a, a snowflake eel. Okay, its mouth is really small. So, like, Vibrate I mean, yellow. if it could catch something, no. then you know, it it would. You know, but yeah. The big anthias and there's tanks, no and there's, yeah. yeah there's no way you could get anything The clownfish, maybe, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think so, man. Yeah. That. Although, like, I had this, this golden morph dwarf moray of, I don't know, many tanks it was in. And uh, for a while, I was in a 120 in the old building. And, you know, it was so hard defeated actually. We had to put, like, uh, in the beginning anyway, I had to, like, spear giant mysis, like, oh, yeah. wave it around. Yeah. But eventually, what we got is a little tube and so I would squirt the mysa shrimp down the tube, and he would swim up the tube and eat it. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, after a while, it got oh, pretty that's easy. That's cool. uh, But, like, getting him to see, because they're blind, you know, they kind of feed off a sense and smell, like, getting him to feed me was just a giant pain in the butt. Except yeah. one day we put in like two uh, $300, uh, like red hawk <laughs> or red antheas or something. Star- I forget the type of <laughs> flame antheas or something like that. Yeah. uh flame rass, I think that's what okay. it was. Okay. And then this thing, man, like knew it was stressed out. Shot out of the rocks, man. Bit onto it, coiled around it, wow. and just killed it immediately. I dove in there, grabbed the guy, and I like, got him off of it. And the fish was already fish dead. Fishes gone. Like a, seconds, it was done. So yeah, reef safe-ish. Well, I couldn't believe I blinded, but it could smell. So it could smell okay. that this fish was distressed. It could sense and it could sense it, and it take exactly yeah. where it was. Oh, yeah. it was amazing. That's cool. So, like as sad as it was to lose a two hundred dollar fish, being there to witness it,
1: uh, yeah, I don't know, it was pretty cool. Well, it Goes back to the breeding thing we were just talking about too. Is uh, some people use these what they the, the coal fish, the cold fish. The ones that uh, are deformed or come out deformed are not 100 percent, and use them as feeder fish for predatory fish mm. like that. Oh,
0: actually, you know this uh, chimes in right here too. Yeah. So uh, we got uh, that uh, rainbow basslet uh, in oh, and uh, the, the, the 160 yeah, or yeah, not, yeah. The, or the XXL 750. Yeah. And it ate all of the orchid daddybacks. I in there. didn't see that. Yeah, dude, it ate them all like the first night, you know. <laughs> I and I guess that. I feel a little like uh, less bad about it just because we breed all the orchid body Chad there's, breeds, there's, yeah, plenty of there's them. There's plenty yeah. of them around, and you know, uh, uh, Elliot at Marine Collector felt super, super bad about it. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, man, like. The nature of it is uh, in the ocean, dude. Eat or be eaten, That's I guess. True. So, it like happened. we try to avoid that here, but I, like I didn't expect that to happen at all. I like, know, I somehow we bad. found them all. <laughs> no. No, I don't know. There was a lot in there. I, I know. Oh. But I definitely feel better, about the chad's just gonna go breed some more. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I mean, I don't feel bad for every mysis shrimp that goes in. So I don't know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> all right. All right. Oh, what's next? See here, cuttlefish though. Oh man, I, I wonder. I'm gonna go. Some, we're gonna stuff. do a cuttlefish series someday, like you'll be just like the
1: <laughs> the clownfish. Uh, the clownfish
0: fish, man will research the hell out of it and uh, share with the universe our success.
1: Yeah, I wonder how many people, how many of you would like to see you know species or you know coral specific or you know these really specific type tanks type series. We've done reef tank series, a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many people like cold. NPS, non-photosynthetic series, or maybe they want just cold water inhabited series. I uh,
0: the nerd in me wants to do them all. I know. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I don't Somewhere
1: we've written down the ideas for all of these types of tank systems, too.
0: You know, somebody told me the other day that hobbies like this, the harder it is, the more we want to do it. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You do man. Yeah. Uh, especially if you can demystify it make it not hard in the end. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, that was hard, but actually all you need to know is these three things. Yeah, learn yeah. by trial. Trial yeah. and
1: error. All right. All right. What else do we got here? So, uh, Steve. Steve oh, was asking. Uh, so, long story short, he posted a picture of his tank, which is 75-gallon mixed, and uh, he's... It says it eats NO3 and PO4 about as fast as uh, as it can. Let's see, the, revel, uh, the levels are in zero range and blah, blah, blah. Let's take a look here. So basically what he's asking here is, uh, should he turn the skimmer off or turn, or turn it on? So uh, is the skimmer too large because it's pulling? He's got zero nitrates, uh, zero phosphates. And uh, yeah, he just wants to know if he yep. should. Uh, what he should do about those disconnect so, the skimmer?
0: There's a lot of questions about skimmers these days, and like you know, they were like a absolute necessary piece of equipment, you know, or considered that way. You know, when I entered the hobby 15 years oh, ago, yeah. right? Like, now, a little bit more questionable. Like, uh, can you do it without like the 293 at WWC than that one? Yeah, right. Uh, everybody would say that's success, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's just advantages, right? But I'll tell you, like, uh, I'm gonna make this number up, but if it removed half of the, you know, waste in your tank, I'd be shocked. Oh yeah? I don't think it's stripping it all the way down Mm. to clean, man. Like it just doesn't have the ability, like, you know, if you think about, um, I've used this analogy a lot, but like, you know, you're essentially blowing bubbles, right? And so if you're, you know, got a teaspoon of uh, dishwashing soda in your thing, you can probably blow a lot of bubbles. If I dilute it by half, right, it's a lot harder to blow bubbles. If I dilute it by like, you know, three-fourths, it's impossible. Right? Yeah. And so that's essentially those organics in there are the soap, you know, that allows it to form a bubble, mm-hmm. you know. So as it dwindles, it's just going to get harder and harder. And it's really, really difficult to you know, create a skimmer that's going to effectively blow the bubbles over the entire range, right. you know, all the time. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if I would think about the skimmer as the primary thing. You could certainly try turning it off. I mean, just leave it in place. Turn it off and, you know, see if you solve your problem.
1: Okay. I mean, no, no harm. Yeah, and then maybe you just, maybe you find out that either whatever else you're doing keeps up with your nitrates and phosphates and you could just pull the skimmer all together.
0: Yeah. Not- I'll tell you, though, the skimmer it plays roles that are unseen. Things that you just can't see, and one of them is gas exchange. And so, like, I can tell you, regardless of what's going on in the tank, we can effectively pinpoint the pH, you know, super, super tight by Mm. opening and closing a valve on some CO2 media feeding in the skimmer. So, it doesn't even matter what's happening in the room around it for the most part. I'm sure Mm. there's a scenario where that isn't true, but uh, I haven't found one yet. And so we can just just strip out the CO2 uh, feed in the skimmer. There's so much air water interface happening inside that skimmer that it rivals what's happening on the top of the tank or the top of the sump and controls the pH and the gas exchange entirely. So like you're definitely making sure that there's proper oxygen in the water. Uh, You're normalizing CO2 levels with the atmosphere uh, despite what's happening in your tank. And so, you know, in many cases actually you know people think about like if you're aerating it proper you're going to increase the ph right mm-hmm. uh, in many cases actually the opposite like here there's so many people breathing in the office yeah. adding co2 in the air
1: the more that you aerate it
0: the more we aerate it the lower the ph yeah. goes actually huh. so that's not true though on the weekends when nobody's here or you know just the warehouse some of like a uh, skeleton screw uh crew of the warehouse a couple of cs people are here on the weekends yeah. like that doesn't happen. pH skyrockets uh, during that period. You can of time. see it on
1: the apex for sure. You see yeah, every Saturday, two days, Saturdays and Sundays spike up in the eight, um, like eight three ranges yep. and stuff.
0: Yeah, and during the week, totally different. So, so it's yeah. got
1: the happy benefit of which, which is the happier benefit, the pH control or the dissolved organic removal.
0: Well, you know, I, I just if i could i would always run one you know and you know what i'm finding actually is some of the smaller ones are easier to manage you know so like yeah
1: you bring up a good point there like do i need a one rated for 300 gallons for my 250 Mm -hmm. or or do you know do i have to match the rating or can i get away with like 150 rated on a 250 gallon tank
0: yeah so that's like one of those things where you know you think it's more better right right Uh, and you know more horsepower you know uh, is awesome but like it it isn't that case and so like it needs to match the you know the application so i get a big huge skimmer right and in that case like if i have a lot of fish and i'm feeding a ton it will work properly because it has a you know giant neck that Mm -hmm. needs to fill up this much foam before it collects a single ounce of anything yeah and uh, in that case you know it, it probably is working really fast and efficiently at removing stuff. But soon as the organic level drops, it like doesn't work as well. Or if I have a system that like, I have a 300 gallon system, things rated for 300 gallons, but I only have four fish in it. Like it's, uh, not gonna it's gonna probably not going to work at all. all. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And so if I get a little one, you know, one of the cool things about a little one is the neck is only about yay big and it's only about yay tall and it only needs to fill up two cups of foam before it starts working. Right. You know? And so, uh, it may not be the most efficient, it might not process waste the fastest, uh, but. They tend to work all the time. Yeah, you know, so it's always chugging along. It requires the least amount of work tweaking the thing. Mm. So I don't know. I tend to There's I tend to go there. that way. Yeah. Uh, also, you can try like reducing air on some of these things because sometimes it's just air, or just too much air going through it, and you're just popping the bubbles prematurely. So mm. you can try different things. But in relation to having too too little nutrients in the tank, I just wouldn't go to the skimmer first and uh, feed more uh you know you can do two things man yeah you can just feed just more put more, more fish in there yeah uh or you can just dose you know like trisodium phosphate or sodium nitrate directly right. to the tank if, if you think those are the things uh, i think I, I might try food or amino acids as you know a source of a whole more holistic source of nutrition that right. will partially break down into those things uh rather than just those two but uh I would look at it from a different angle than your skimmer, but you can always unplug it and just find out for your own self on your system, and plug it back in if you want. For sure. Uh, we got a couple of questions related to this, so let's. See. All right, uh, I can't get my pH over seven point six according to my HANA pH probe, even after calibration. I tried adding a CO two scrubber to my skimmer intake, taking no avail. I keep my DAKH8 at eight point five and four thirty, so. When in doubt, when hmm. everything defies logic, I just don't trust the test kit or solution that I'm using. So uh, the HANA PH probe, that must be a little the dipstick. The handheld, red, red, yep. handheld one, I think. So those little mm. dipsticks rarely uh, have the, like our, you know, keep the probe tip moist. So, like, mm. you really got to think about that when you're doing it. Yeah, uh, I might try a test kit. I might try, you know... I don't mean I wouldn't really go out and buy like a whole, a whole new standard
1: that. standalone yeah. one yeah. but
0: like that is my concern because in, in your in almost almost every single case pH low pH as long as your alkalinity is correct uh, low pH is always related to the amount of carbon dioxide in the room yeah like that is it as long as your alkalinity is spot on in almost every case by that I mean like 99.9 of them like It is related to the amount of carbon dioxide in the room, which is the amount of carbon dioxide essentially in the tank as well. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of the things, if you live in a house that's filled with pets and people all the time, or this is in an office where there's tons and tons of people breathing. CO2 all day. Yeah. Well, one of the first things I do is just open up all the windows, mm-hmm. right? And even if it's cold for the next five hours, right. And you're <laughs> or hot or whatever, you can identify that issue, man, Look right. at a fan blowing some air in there. Yeah. If that solves your problem, it was CO2. If you're using CO2 media uh, on a scrubber in the skimmer and it doesn't work at all, mm. I don't know what to tell you. Like I, I've, I've it's seen that neat. a couple of times, but like here, like we can keep it within one hundredth of a point yeah. uh, by opening and closing a solenoid,
1: which would lead me to believe that it's more of the testing instrument versus like the actual. I mean, if you're running a CO two scrubber on it and you see no change, yeah, like, uh, it's got to be my, I'd, yeah, I'd question my testing apparatus. If more. you're at
0: six point seven point six, uh, you're probably also having some metabolic health issues at that point too. Like the, uh, I, outside yeah. of that, I,
1: I'm trying to think of what would if cause it, the. But if the tank see if the tank looks and seems normal, then it's uh, retest with something else.
0: Well, yeah, I guess I'd also say if it isn't related to CO two in the air, and you have your alkalinity and, uh, spot on, mm. and it isn't related to the pH probe, there is something really major happening in the chemistry in the tank mm. that like must be coming from a specific source in the tank, and I I would really rack my brain as to find out what it is. Hmm. Uh, I might intentionally water change most of the water out to see if there's a chemistry issue in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd look at you know all the equipment, make sure you know everything's running fine. And isn't I don't know what would source work. water for oh, some man. reason
1: if there's something in that.
0: Yeah, I would definitely be using RODI water right. to begin with in, in every case anyway. But, right. yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, that would be super tough to to answer. Like, I wonder what the answers were to that one. I didn't get a chance to read it. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go read it as soon as it's over. So you guys should read it too. Yeah, join our hashtag Asperger's TV group. Find out the answer to uh, why he got 67.6. All right. Well, next week we'll I'll find I'm going to read this thing beforehand because I want to
1: know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what are in, like a couple of questions here? Jamie was asking uh, in a skimmerless tank. Other than breaking the surface of the water, what is the best way to keep the tank oxygenated? That's it. In man. a skimmerless tank, yeah. Water circulation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you know what? You know what's a big. You've hit on it a couple times too, and I think I uh, over the weekend when I was, I was answering some questions for us, we got a lot of new people over there on hashtag uh, AskBRS TV and. You know, somebody was asking about power outage, and it might even be something that you could use in a, in a regular tank that's uh, not power out, but the, the air-powered uh, pumps where you feed air down into a tube and it forces water up and over and you to get recirculation and you get aeration. So.
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think there's a good option. You know, so, like, if you have a power outage, they just automatically turn on. Cheap, yeah.
1: Cost-wise, yeah, a bubbler, a battery-powered bubbler. They will yeah. keep things alive.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, like, it, fish might even gravitate to go by be buy it, because they recognize where the oxygen right, is right. from, where they're breathing well, oh. you know. Uh, and so, but, like, you know, things just, like, you know, defy logic sometimes that like you think you're bubbling air into the water. Well, yeah, you are, but really it's just the air water interface of that specific bubble. that's like, you know, going up, mm-hmm. right? So if I take a power head and aim it at the surface, I get so much more turnover and air-water interface between the molecules of the water Mm. and the surface of the area. So a tiny, tiny little pump just aimed at the surface of the water is going to get so much more gas exchange. Than than just an air... Yeah. And, you know, there's ways around that. Like, especially if a lot of people are using like, you know, wood blocks or, you know, or pumice or whatever.
1: To spread it out. Yeah, brand new. Mm It's
0: creating a little fine mist of uh, bubbles, but over time those things break down or get clogged and they become big bubbles that are not really particularly effective. Mm. So, you know, you know other than breaking the surface of the water the best way to keep the tank oxygenated i think some people might argue that like a refugium this lid is you know pulling carbon dioxide out and then releasing oxygen back into the water but I got a feeling that rate of that is probably so much slower than oh, just yeah. gas exchange yeah. from mixing in the air. But
1: I mean, if it's a sumped, if it's a sumped tank, even though it may be skimmerless, uh, I think the recirculation of the pump, or the uh, the return pump, and feeding it back up into the display is is another thing too. I mean, if there is no surface break or other surface uh, breaking into the surface, I don't know other than a non-sumpless non-sump, uh, sump tank, I don't know how you could not break the surface if you have a...
0: Well, so I think you could decrease gas exchange with like lids and stuff. Oh, for sure, so, yeah, So, yeah, yeah. you know, tightly fitted hood or glass uh, lids on yeah. it, you're gonna reduce that. You're gonna reduce so. evaporation, which is, you know, nice and a lot about, uh, you know, I think like a 120 gallon tank can evaporate two gallons a day. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, in, the, you know, in the right environment. So put a glass lid on it, probably two cups. Yeah, you know, that was one of the things actually with those bio cubes that I really liked because you know. they had a lid. Yeah, they had a lid on it, right? Mm. And uh, you know, for a little you know thing, that you're gonna put in your office often. You know, so it's like really you know sometimes it's a home tank, but often it's an office tank. You know, it's got a little stand, you put it on, they put the lid on it, and you don't even need an auto top off, man. Like you could take two cups of water and pour it in there once a week, yeah. and we're good. <laughs> you know, so it's bad for it's so little water. when you put a lid on it, but gas exchange probably pretty minimal but you also have like almost no your, fish in your those water volume
1: things. and stuff yeah and, and you know total is pretty I everything mean, even the movement of water from the back chambers to the front is probably i think
0: you probably don't need to be overly concerned with uh, oxygen levels unless you're gonna have a lot of fish or really big fish okay you know and You know, one of the things that I talked to Terence over at at Neptune about is that oxygen sensor. That's like you know a thousand bucks or something. Yeah, six hundred. Six hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So it's super, super expensive, Uh and like even he will say. yeah i don't know why most people would use it with the exception of somebody that has expensive big fish right yeah so if you got expensive big fish and some kind of pump breaks or something you might not know about and you want to know when the oxygen level is like going down because Mm -hmm. those fish can consume it pretty fast
1: you're talking about expensive fish that would warrant an expensive probe uh, if you've got money for well, these fish, you probably got, got money, money for, for these fish, probe. you got
0: money for these probes, yeah, makes you sense. know, uh, you know, and you know, to some degree too, like, you know, people get attached to those big fish too. I mean, oh, you yeah. get attached to all the fish in here, but oh, yeah. like, you know, you get a big fish, they recognize you, you recognize them after a while. And like, they yeah. You
1: know, eventually,
0: you know, like I actually, these are my pets, yeah, you know, exactly. it's not just a fish in the tank. Yeah. You know so.
1: All right, all right, we got any other ones in there? Uh, Clayton asks on the oh. same topic Could a skimmer be too small? Damn, yeah, if it. So uh, if I put a little 50 tw- uh, gallon rated skimmer on this 160 gallon tank with the bio load and everything, the food that we feed into it, I'm probably emptying that cum- cup pretty hmm. frequently. That's a good point. Too small could
0: be not only just uh, that it's not working or it's only taking out a portion of the overall in- organics. It's also getting full constantly. Oh, constant. The little cup is just uh, <laughs> full like, just yeah, you probably non-stop. clean it three times a day. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it could be too small. Also, you know, it depends on how much, you know, you what your goal is to take out. And so like, I mean, I'm not gonna like go out and say this is absolutely true, but this is my general take on it these days. And there's not a lot that's known definitively about uh, skimmers, but my general take on it is a smaller skimmer requires less tuning You know, Mm. and a you know high efficiency, tons and tons of air, big skimmer, you know has a a ability to work better, Mm -hmm. but requires more fine tuning. It's like, you know, driving uh, you know a Ford Focus, I could get in there and get to work in three seconds. Nobody needs to teach me anything. Key, you know, gas pedal, go. Yeah. Right. Uh, But if you gave me a, a V12 like Dodge Viper and put me in the snow, dude, I'm dead. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like I won't even make it here. You'll never see me again. Uh, maybe even on uh, dry cement in the middle of the summer, Rain I might not make it. Uh, I mean, that car takes require like it is, you know, a high performance uh, vehicle that's capable of a lot of things. The Ford Focus isn't. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but man, not anybody can get in it. Uh, uh, it takes uh, some skill, you know, to drive it proper. So, and uh. you know, uh, get advantages of what you bought. Sure. Uh, is there anything else in there? How much of a pH swing uh, is okay? All right, that's a good one too. Uh, so I would say generally, anytime that you're in between 7.8 and 8.3, nothing's you're, gonna die. You're gonna be fine. Yep, uh, right between, or at seven point, or 8.3, it's almost certain that you're gonna grow corals faster. Coraline is gonna grow faster. Everything in the tank is probably gonna be happier. Uh,
1: but in the same breath, I mean, you're probably doing more to maintain those higher pHs, right? You're probably more equipment, you know, maybe a little more cost, Mm -hmm. uh, but there are things you're gonna have to do in most cases to try to maintain that 8.3.
0: So I'm gonna say previous to maybe the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. I told people stop worrying about pH. Yeah. Like, you're more likely to screw your tank up chasing pH Mad than you are to improve yeah. the quality of anything in there. Mm. And I'll still say that's true for at least 50% of people. Right. Unless you're really dedicated, like, I'm going to solve my pH thing at all costs and I'm going to do it forever and I want the best, most awesome tank that grows the stuff the fastest. If that's you, then you can solve it. If that isn't you and I'm going to give up on it in uh, eight months, you're more likely to screw things Stay up. Stay in that range. Right? Just just staying side the 7.8, 8.3 won't be the reason that you failed uh, and you will have success. Now, if you uh, you know want the Dodge Viper, yeah, I can teach you how to drive that too. So, in in that case, man, the uh, the two ways that you know the way that pre- previously everybody did it was super duper uh, pH buffer deluxe oh. booster. Don't put you it know, in the tank. Uh, deluxe, a yeah. right? <laughs> uh, and you know what it was is usually just alkalinity buffer of some sort. Right. So like soda ash or something, maybe? Uh, it's probably bicarbonate, okay. you know, a lot of it. Probably not soda ash because that would raise your pH drastically, but right. like, you know, it may be a mix of the two even, okay. but it's just temporary. And what are you doing at the same time? You're raising your alkalinity, yeah. right? Nobody's telling you that, that when you're buying it, they're just saying, oh, hey, you're super pH, It'll Mixer do. deluxe here fix your problem. it raise pH. Yeah, yeah, it raises the alkalinity, man. Like if I'm dosing this every day to keep an 8.3, I'm going to have an alkalinity of 2,000. Yeah. You know, like everything's dead. <laughs> you know, there's a the surest fire way to screw up a tank is to use anything that's labeled pH buffer. Right. Like Boost, alkalinity buffer, buffer for sure. Yeah. If it's labeled pH buffer, garbage. Uh, and the second one is actually stuff that includes borate in it, you know, so oh, yeah. borate will kind of, I don't want to say artificially, but for our purposes, artificially elevate the pH, okay. right? It'll kind of keep it higher by default. The problem is is uh, a alkalinity test kit brings it up as total hardness right okay and so i may think i have eight dkh in my tank and for the reef tank's purposes the reason i measure d- dkh one of the primary water reasons is to find out how much carbonates in the water right because right? most of the alkalinity in there is a uh, carbonate alkalinity and i need calcium and any carbonate to make calcium carbonate which is the coral skeleton mm-hmm. so i'm trying to measure how much is carbonate is in there well If you're using a salt or uh, additive that adds borate to it, you know, what I'm gonna do is start adding, or especially if I'm adding enough borate to change the pH, I should Mm say. Uh, In that case, I'm just elevating the borate levels over and over and over again because the corals don't consume borate as fast as they do carbonate. But it shows up
1: as carbonate.
0: Yeah, so of my eight dKH, it could be four dKH of of borate and four of carbonate, which means my test kit tells me, hey, I'm doing awesome. Right. But in reality, man, I have half as much carbon in it as I should in the water. Hmm. So like pH uh, buffer deluxe, what is it?
1: What, what is it? No it's garbage. Yeah, yeah he, garbage. He, did you guys hear that? <laughs> he gave it to me. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I even
0: like to some degree distrust a company that's willing to sell that. Ah, you know, okay. to, like I need to get past that fact and find eight other things they really like about them just to get past the fact that they're selling the pH Buffer Deluxe Versus. because I know that it, that is bad for the tank in almost every yeah. case.
1: Yeah.
0: Alright, so the good ways th- to do that. So the two good ways uh, Refugium
1: refugium does yeah. yeah
0: so it sucks out all the carbon dioxide uh, you know I find it does it even when the lights not on to some degree just ambient light If it's a total blackout in the room it won't but uh, sucks out the uh, carbon dioxide absolutely increases it most of the time uh, people do it on reverse cycle
1: yeah uh, removing excess co2 from the ambient air can ah, open help. windows yeah. yeah so it's hard to do though. venting yeah yeah, some people like. Uh, I found that just flipping a uh, bathroom fan on uh, in my upstairs would change, would suck out enough CO two that I'd get the increase. So I didn't mm-hmm. have to open a window or anything. Worst case, I'm just drawing some kind of airflow through my heating system. No, it's Hopefully, pulling it out of your attic. Or pulling it out of man. <laughs> yeah, but when it's the winter time, it's, it's fine.
0: Uh, for that, it actually, uh, you know, uh, air exchangers in people's houses now. You know, mm. so like. You know, most new houses these days come with an air exchanger installed. So you get, you know, uh, the one in my house has three settings, like almost never, intermediate and always, mm-hmm. right? And so maybe you have your set on almost never. I uh, go ahead, turn it up to all, almost always and uh, see if it changes the pH in your tank. If it does, maybe the increase at heating and cooling costs is worth it. I don't know, depends ah. on how much that would be. Right. Uh, but the CO2 media,
1: yeah, uh, on the skimmer. Sure. That'll you know,
0: do it. Uh, like, that one works for me every time I've ever done it and like precisely, especially mm. with a solenoid that opens and closes it. Yeah. So like, and that has no effect on the chemistry. It just reduces the amount of CO2 in the tank and reduces the uh, uh, gas, ex- or increase the gas exchange and reduces the CO2 in the tank. So like for me, that is the way I'd go. And I haven't done it yet, but what I really want to do is test the recirculating yeah. CO2 thing.
1: Yeah, there's a uh, Jay Downs, I think his name is on our reef to reef forum. He, uh, we had mentioned this a while ago, cause right, as it's stands, when we first started messing around with CO2 media, it was canister that draws ambient room air and through the CO2 media into the skimmer uh, intake, air intake, and then it just adds it to the tank. Uh, but the media would go semi-quick. It um, burned the like, media pretty fast. But what if you took the input line off that we used to just let draw from the ambient air and drilled a hole in the skimmer ca- cup and put it inside the skimmer cup so now you're just recirculating its own air? Uh, Jay Downs, his uh, uh, screen name on reef to reef he actually has a thread where he's testing this before us. But yeah, so So far, success. I think, yeah, from what I've read of it, but... Really cool to test uh, right, on our own.
0: For those of you who don't know, right now we're testing pH uh, on uh, four tanks in the back. Two of them are elevated at 8.3, and two are at 7.8. In uh, the 7.8, we just add CO2, you know, with a solenoid to keep it steady. Yeah. Yep. And then to the 8.3, we actually scrub, uh, scrub it with a CO2 scrubber and a skimmer so in that both that cases when we're going to find out exactly you know how long or what the benefit is we did this already and we produced the results and then two of them got turned orange for some reason yeah couldn't figure it out. Uh, Measurable
1: results like weight, mass, yeah, measure wise. the weight. It, yeah, you know, visually, visually too, growth. Yeah, uh,
0: but weight probably the most important component of it because it has actual meaning rather than looks bigger. <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm positive I can already tell you right now that we're going to see results in these ones and be able to show them to you. You know, it's been around like two months, so it might we're be worth checking there, there yeah. uh, and seeing if we can get to the results now. But uh, the next thing I'm going to add them do is. Uh, do the, if we find the 8.3 does exactly what we thought it does, right. which drastically increases the consumption. I can tell you the consumption of uh, uh, the two-part is is much, much higher in that one as well. Right. Uh, and if that is the case, well, let's take it one step farther and do the recirculating skimmer versus non. We can test A, does a skimmer actually still produce and do the thing that we want it to do? Right. Or is it just a vehicle for gas exchange at that point? Right. Uh, and two, like does Do the, the media g- last longer yeah does the media last longer in that case like right. forever right. almost probably
1: almost perpetual it, yeah yeah mm. i
0: mean like it probably instead of lasting weeks would last months to most of the year i'm guessing
1: which is yeah. a which is a cost concern to some reefers because of the co2 media is not it's not ch- it's not cheap but. you know
0: one of the things though in that, in that you know like i would love it if it was like uh you know if you could, if you could use it for six months instead of you know three weeks, right, uh, it's a much more viable option, right? right. And so some people would probably say we're insane because like people are <laughs> buying it right now and consuming it every three weeks. Yeah. But Like, I who wants to do that? So, like, let's let's try to get as long as we can possibly get yeah, out like of it and capacity, make it a viable
1: option. Yeah. Yeah. Like GFO high capacity versus not. I mean, it lasts a but yeah. Yeah, a little bit.
0: Uh, but in this case, it causes you the same, and we just get it ten times the use out of it. Right. So, right, uh, right. I don't know. But like, uh, what I'd really like to find out, man, is if we can find out how much you know, like, uh, extra growth, like. If you're buying a frag that's 60 bucks and it goes from here to here in uh, three months well dude you know even though the media is 15 bucks a, a month or whatever yeah if it goes from here to here in the same period of time i'm in I'm i'll pay the 15 bucks man because it, <laughs> it's this one times you know the other 80 frags that are in there yeah and my coral and algae coverage is protecting from uh, uh other pests and stuff laying down uh for sure, but I need to know that's actually doing something. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't want to like I don't want to do anything at all in the tank that don't know like what the results are, and I, I can't say anything because some of it's always a mystery. But if I do know, I'm in. Like I'll, I will now do it, especially if it's easy and I can automate it. Yeah, for sure.
1: All right, I, really, uh, I like this next topic. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's the uh, yeah that one. So this one, uh, this one was really cool, uh, it was one I got oh, yeah. engaged with pretty heavy too, and I think you and I had some different opinions I think on it, but uh, basically Matt was wondering if it's wise for him to turn his calcium reactor off at night to help with pH, so we're kind of stemming off that last topic. I'm going to let you answer, man. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I've am i been doing all these tests uh, with the, the affluent uh, concentrations and all this, and you know, as far, we're, we're talking about stability, we preach stability all the time. And I think my answer my answer to Matt was, yeah, it's probably not for me. I wouldn't do it. Because um, mm. I'm thinking, okay, so calcium consumption rates, and alkalinity and calcium consumption rates are increased during the day probably to some degree, where they're, maybe they're not calcifying as much at night. Uh, but there's a, so there, this, to me, I think there's this seems to be this ebb and flow uh, of alkalinity and calcium consumption rates, sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's lower, but on a a 24 hour timeline or you know a full day timeline, it balances out to be a certain consumption rate in 24 hours, in which case I've dialed my calcium reactor to match whatever that is in a 24 hour period. Uh, So when I start to flip the switch off at night, uh, maybe my levels of alkalinity and calcium start to fall because I'm not supplementing them, and when I turn it back, my calcium reactor back on in the morning, uh, I'm now at a new alkalinity DKH that my calcium reactor set at. So 8.5 before going to bed, 8.3 when I wake up in the morning. My calcium reactor set to sustain whatever consumption rate it was. So maybe it stays at 8.3 now.
0: I'm gonna. Steps
1: okay. down, but I don't know. I'm gonna
0: make Terrence super happy. Try
1: it, try it. You know, like, <laughs> we can find out. We're gonna measure
0: it by That's the true. hour all day long. That's great. Well, let's find out exactly what it is. It beats the alternative.
1: <clears throat> which is me sitting there taking a test every 10, 15 minutes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, this is my take on it. And, and uh, like, here's the thing is like, we're a lot of us are dosing two part. We're not dripping it one milliliter, you know, every minute. Like actually, I guess if you have a dose, it actually can split it up over the whole day. Yeah, you, know, you can but automatically. But yeah. you know, if you don't have a dose, most people are setting it up dose, you know, 30 milliliters, three times a day or something. So it's like far from perfect. Right. You know, like right. you might even be, Do a hundred milliliters right now in the morning, you know, whatever. Uh and so that's kind of like what it's doing. And most people believe that it's probably most of the calcification's happening while the lights are on and it's producing energy. Right. Really know that, you know, for sure. But like I think most people believe that. Uh so this was my take on it. Like one of the downsides of uh uh uh, a calcium reactor is that it will presumably reduce the pH to some degree because you're low you know dosing a small amount of low pH
1: solution oh yeah yeah
0: I will tell you how to de- how big of a you know degree that happens in your tank is largely how you set it up your you know your
1: flow rate more or
0: less yeah probably if you set it up optimally uh, it will uh, not do that I've saw another guy said I can get my pH over 7.5 and it was because he had uh, a, a pH inside of it at 6.2, and he had it at an open flow rate, and like yeah, that doesn't sound good, dude. Yeah, uh, like that's probably mm-hmm. why your problem, like you're having a problem. So, like after we're done with your series, where we look into the flow rates and strengths and stuff, and we can give some direct suggestions, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Yeah. But this is where uh, I, I believe is going to be the same. So what we can do inside the reactor is create a you know stable concentration, like 20 dkh is coming out of the effluent right? Mm -hmm. So I I now have a 20-day dKH. It's just like two-part except for weaker. It's just how much of it am I going to dose of that 20 dKH solution in a day? Right. And so, you know, if I'm going at uh, 20 milliliters a minute, well, there's no reason, you know, that I couldn't half that and only do it 12 hours a day Mm -hmm. and do it at 40 milliliters a minute and maintain that same 20 dKH and maybe it's not as stable as running it all day long, mm-hmm. but it might be that actually during the day is when it's being consumed, so it actually makes more sense to add more of it during the time that it's actually being consumed rather than add it at night. Yeah, Try it in, try it in, Well, no. <laughs> so, like, uh, you know, for me, that that's probably the big thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, actually, uh, where I first heard that was actually from Terrence, because he was using the dose to run his calcium reactor. Mm-hmm because it was like one of the few options that you know had a reliable pump. But that thing only is an on-off cycle of you know on one one-third, off two-thirds. Right. And so. so, like, you could only run it so much time, so as he's just like, dude, I only run it one-third, and I just run it faster, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know, that I guess sense. there's no reason. It doesn't have to run constantly. Right. So, okay. yeah, I don't know, bravo, man. Uh, wow. uh, I'm trying to think of any other reasons you would do it that way. Ah, you know what you might actually do it? Opposite. You might only dose at night with the calcium reactor and feed it into your refugium. If, yeah. Yeah, because
1: the refugium's going to scrub it all out for sure. For sure. Well, that's a, that leads into some more testing that we were talking about. So, I mean, basically with the calcium reactor testing, we're doing, you know, flow rates, we're doing different pHs, we're doing trace elements or not. We're doing, you know, di- maybe different types of medias and things like that uh but we're also i think we we're also talking about looking at how to reduce the the co2 uh, impact uh or the ph impact from a calcium reactor i think mm-hmm. we talked about like feeding into a skimmer feeding into refugium feeding it somewhere else running it through another chamber if that actually works or not so mm-hmm. I think we'll
0: definitely find a way that minimizes that effect uh, that doesn't. Like, doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them might be, you know, only turn it on for a period of time, turn it faster. The only downside to that is your pump is running twice as fast, which makes it a lot louder. You True. Know, in some cases yeah. anyway. Right. So uh, depending on how loud you're willing to have your pump. Uh, That would definitely change it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, What else was in that? Is there anything else inside that question, or is that it?
1: Uh, That was it inside that question. It's a pretty big one. I mean, we're going on 45 comments and multiple replies that don't get counted towards the main comment count. So Hmm. uh, it's a pretty good topic of discussion in there. Oh, yeah, look at that. Boom. So this is my testing station for the calcium reactor test. That's a 60-gallon tank on the left that holds uh, Tropic Marin Pro water. And then it's active. This is a live shot, too, by the way. And uh, yeah we've got the, the vertex calcium reactor some um, reborn media from two little fishies and I'm running uh, the Camor dosing pump and here's yeah. Ryan live <laughs> so yeah so we're in there testing uh, testing away hey uh, so far from I've only tested one pH point for the flow rate and how it affects it mm-hmm. a little inside baseball for you guys watching uh, didn't do very much. From, uh-huh like from 20, the difference between 20 mils a minute to 100 mils a minute, which is pretty drastic, you think? 6.4, didn't do too much. So it'll be super interesting
0: at 6.82. Yeah, for sure. One of those things you hear about calcium reactors all the time is uh, I can change the concentration with the pH, you know. but I can get it stable, but once I change the flow rate to match, now the CO2 is going to change, and I change the CO2, and it changes this, blah, blah, blah. So. It might not be true. Yeah. Uh, well, it's certainly not, not to true. Not degree. At, at, yeah. That at, people think it is. Yeah. So at, at like I'm just gonna give it away. Yeah. At, at this 6. one 4. Level, Yeah. Six point four. Uh, we had a uh, DKH.
1: Sat- yeah. The max saturation DKH at six point four was a very very flow, small flow rate. It was at like forty. Hills. Yeah. It was like forty DKH. That was forty Max DKH. saturation.
0: What was, like,
1: we're going to rank it up four times the flow rate 20. at uh, 20 milliliters a minute. What was the DKH? 20 mils a minute. The DKH was, like, 39.7, so nothing. It
0: drops nothing. Zero <laughs> p- 0.3. Yeah. Oh, my
1: gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And then at uh, 40, we're now at uh, eight times. Was, yeah, which ended up being, like, 37 and some change. If not I think it was, 38. Like 30, 30, 30, yeah, yep. I think 38 and some change. So, really, again, nothing.
0: I'm going to spare the drama. Get all the way down to 100,
1: 100 milliliters. What was it? 36.8 or 36.9 yeah. or something like so that.
0: Difference in concentration between. A, a DKH
1: and a half or almost. A d- or
0: or I think it was two and a half. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Two and a half dK- DKH between five milliliters a minute and 100. That's
1: insane. So basically, that-, that tells me. Uh, if All I got to do is, like, hey, uh, I need more of this high-potent DKH solution. It's like having two-part in the back of my tank. I know well, what concentration my two-part is, and my ALK's not keeping up. I'll just add more mills. I'll dose more mills in a single day. Same yeah. thing with this.
0: So it's reliant on making sure your pH probe is well-maintained yeah, and it's it. maintaining the right pH inside the solution. We're not necessarily cutting bubbles at that point. No. We are uh, maintaining the pH using a reliable tool, right? Yeah. Maybe even a backup on the fluent, mm-hmm. But, like... In that case, man, like this is so, so easy. Now, that is at 6.4, so we're going to go all the way up to, we're going to measure it at 6.8, 6.8, right? And if at 6.8, it's the same story. We're not even going to bother to go to 6.6. Yeah. But if it isn't, uh, and uh, at, at 6.8, it, it melts lower. You can actually see some
1: differences, yeah. We'll
0: go to 6.6 and give you the
1: window. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty excited so, about that
0: one. I think this is, like, the goal here is definitely to be able to tell you, if you have X tank, just set the thing at this pH and turn it to whatever and up and down within that range. Because, like right now, there's just so much crappy advice. You know, I mean, the <laughs> advice is good, but it's just so wishy-washy and non-committal.
1: And confusing.
0: Yeah, and wow. com- confusing. Like, yeah, you know, somewhere in between 6.2 and 7.2 bubble rates, is something like that. You can yeah. make it a little bit bigger, smaller, blah blah. Like, but it doesn't really help me, man. It just gives me into a window of like, uh, that sounds too hard. Well, you d- know, for most people, it's just too much.
1: You know, that's like, well, if, from the last test that we did, uh, that we did, uh, that I put out. I mean, if if you have a fixed flow rate and you just you're trying to adjust your calcium reactor to consumption based on pH set points. It's a, it's a swing, like yeah. you're talking about the difference of six to upwards of 90 kh between set points.
0: Yeah, it's pretty big, yeah.
1: So, yeah, I don't know, for the goal anyway,
0: can't guarantee we'll achieve it, but the goal is gonna be set this reactor up this way, turn these dials to this, and be happy. We're done. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I mean, we probably won't get all the way to that, but we'll be, pretty I, hopefully, close. We're like, pretty close, man. Uh, like, ideally, for me, I would like to see this get so close that one could argue this is easier than two part, and that's a big challenge.
1: We're definitely, if anything, uh, if we don't get to that point, we're definitely chipping away at the learning curve involved of a calcium reactor, which people think is, is pretty extensive. And at some point in time, it was like when I first started learning about calcium reactors, I, my eyes went cross several times, but I finally figured out you know the relationship of what's happening here and we just make this easier. You know.
0: Well, so one of the things that we tested this week was or last week was the, you know, max concentration mm. at each one of those set points. And so if you haven't seen it go go check it out, mm. but like at a pH of 7, you know, the water going into it's just like Tropic Marin Pro, which was like 7 dKH, mm-hmm. right? And then at a pH of 7 inside the reactor, it produces like 12 dKH. You know, and then at a pH of all the way on the other end of 6.2, it was like 50 dK. Mm -hmm. One of the things I wanted to get to, and you know, maybe some people already knew this or or not, but I wanted to definitively show it and add numbers to it, Mm -hmm. was does the media just melt faster as you get down in the pH? Or does each pH have its own max concentration? And what we were able to confirm uh, for uses inside of a reactor anyway, and the flow rates that would be common to what you're gonna use it for, is each pH did have a max saturation, meaning it won't get get any higher than that regardless of how long you run it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can increase the saturation. It'll probably also increase the speed at which it melts, but not just endlessly. Right. So, uh, you know, we can get some expectations, you know? So Mm -hmm. if I have a LPS or a mixed tank, maybe I want to set it to, uh, you know, 6.8 and have a DKH of 20, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, they have a little bit more uh, uh, leeway in my window there. But if I have an SPS tank, you can give a direct recommendation and set it at 6.5 or whatnot. And then, you know, have a very fixed, uh, higher concentration. And also, you can give you, you know, a better window into, you know what? I don't want my pump running as fast as it is, yeah. so I'll use a higher concentration yeah, solution yeah. and dose less. Mm-hmm. You that know? makes sense. So, like, uh, especially if I have like a dose or something where I don't want that ring running all the time. Yeah. You know?
1: So, hope, maybe what we'll find from this too is is that just that that you, uh, you know, there's different types of pumps you can use with this uh, with this whole situation. If you got uh, an extra dose heads in there, you could probably throw one on here. You know, we'll figure something out where you can use a uh, shorter term you know dosing pump and you achieve the same result
0: presumably like one of the things you know big big change for calcium reactors was that camora pump the continuous the F- duty uh, yeah. fx stp or mm-hmm. something or whatever it is mm-hmm. uh but continuous duty it spins all the time we can control it it lasts a long time but i mean it's, how long has it been on the market now like uh, nine months maybe yeah somewhere around there uh-huh. so like continuous duty we don't know you know, uh, so I haven't far? seen a lot of complaints about it, yeah. so like, but it's new to the market, so we'll find out how long it really lasts at, at continuous duty. But I can tell you this it's probably the tubing and pump head and gears and everything are probably gonna last four times as long if it's spinning one fourth the speed. Right, yeah, right? yeah exactly. So if I can go, uh, if I can make an intelligent decision now, like, hey man, I wanna pin this thing at uh, 6.5 for that reason. I want my pumps to last longer, my right. equipment to last longer. Yeah. So, anyway, we're gonna blow the cap off a of calcium reactor. <laughs> might not be applicable to everybody out there listening because they're using 2PAR or whatever, but it's important to me uh, that uh, anybody can sell a calcium reactor Like, I want to be, uh, you know, part of the group of people that helps make it easier and more successful. So help you get the right things that you want so Mm -hmm. you can be successful. And then after you get it, help make sure that your tank is a success uh, using it, which is quite different than just selling it. Yeah, true. So even though it's not hitting everybody out there, for the people that are buying them, I think they deserve that respect. And so we're
1: on it. All right. For sure. Let's hit another one. Uh, uh, it's, it is 405, so. Uh, I did promise in the title and description that we would hit this GFO one. So right, we should, should probably hit that GFO one. In which case, uh, he's just showing his hand a checker. This is Adrian, and he was using Roafas uh, for the first time, so he's using a GFO. And he uh, phosphate red 0.11 on Saturday before you install the reactor. How long does he have, uh, how long before he changes it is really what his question is. Mm. And I think a lot of the answer here was when somebody had answered pretty uh somebody had answered smart here and said test the effluent coming out or test the water coming out of the gfo reactor and if it matches whatever your tank is the so if there's registered phosphates or what have you in the tank water and coming out of the reactor output is the same then the gfo is probably exhausted Yeah. That's
0: a good that's a good point. Uh, so i just say in general, when my levels started to rise in my tank, the GFO is exhausted. Yeah. Right? Like this stuff isn't rocket science, so I don't have to like know it's working, like uh, prove that yeah. the actual, like that definitely proves it it's working. Right. right. But, uh, you know, it's like known science, this stuff is super simple. So uh, if the tank is rising in uh, uh yeah phosphate i think it's exhausted right? and it's most
1: likely not going to be this massive catastrophic type change where one day a light switch flips and the gfo's gone done yep. and now you've got a problem with your tank it's gonna be gradual it's gonna be noticeable
0: yeah so. but definitely what you just decided you said man if you test the effluent and it's uh not lower than the tank it's time to, throw it out. time to throw it out and one of the things about it is is like it it's not 100 percent efficient right so like not necessarily mm. all the water at the flow rate that you pick is going to strip it clean for sure, right. and especially as the stuff ages and the pores get filled with uh, bacteria mm. you know, film and whatnot. And so, like, it's a... But the thing about it is it, is it has, you know, probably hundreds of times a day. So it's not like a single-pass filter where it gets one shot at removing it. Right. You know, the whole tank is going through this thing, you know, many, 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 many times a day. So it doesn't need to have... Uh, you know, 100% efficiency. Mm-hmm. But if it is not lower coming out than it is in, it's probably done. And one of the things that like people, you know, really miss in this stuff, and so they say, like, hey man, I depleted my GFO inside of days or whatever. Why isn't it working? Well, so there is a vast chasm of difference between the person that's throwing some food in every day and you're maintaining these new low, ph- uh, you know, uh, phosphate levels in your tank, and you know, you're at, you know, point, you know, 0.1 or something or yeah. 0.03 or whatever you know a lot of people try to shoot for with gfo right is you know down there man like maintain that no level no problem mm-hmm. but like if i'm starting with a you know a, like phosphate level of two yeah you might deplete it really fast yeah you, you know could. just trying to get it down yeah. to begin with and often it's been my experience that rather than try to use chemicals to solve really bad problems, like mm. two, yeah. you know, or whatever, <laughs> uh, I would just do water changes.
1: Which is going to yeah. gradually bring it down because of dilution. Dilution, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: so if I did a 50% water changes or, or two, uh, like 30% water changes, or whatever, I'd probably bring the, you know, the two, two to one, two. Two. Mm-hmm. to half, yeah. to whatever. Uh, and so instead of just trying to, this thing is just gonna strip it all out pretty rapidly, mm-hmm. and you're probably gonna deplete it, it's probably gonna be expensive. Uh so I, I might not go take that route to it. Yeah, for sure. All
1: right, Awesome man. Is there any more in here you wanna hit? Uh we yeah, that one. Uh yep. So the, the last oh, one. There you uh, go. which I also promised. No 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 oh, the, oh. the the uh, yep, there you go. Where is it? That one. This yes. one. All right. Hey This is what i promised. This is what I promised in the title also. Uh in case you didn't catch the front end and the back end. We're giving away five thousand dollars in salt. Uh, that's sixty buckets of salt to sixty winners, uh, one each. I yeah. still can't
0: believe it came down to five K because, like, uh, when I said three K, we almost threw up. I
1: know. And uh, added like, another thirty. At the end buckets. of the day, man,
0: like, <laughs> if you're already in for three, you might as well go for five I and mean, a It's a big, it one. Fun. It's I don't a big know.
1: one. I don't know. We gave away. Um, a donated gem tank that's like thousand $1, uh, dollars, 1500 dollars. So. Well, you know what it is. I like things like
0: have round sounded numbers.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So thirty
0: buckets of salt like, uh, and 5K? five thousand dollars in salt. <laughs> i like, I don't know, man. I think the community deserves it. Let's do it. Yeah, for uh, sure. I don't really support us. So, yeah, so
1: if you guys haven't, uh, if you guys haven't found out yet, uh, you can either go to our website, click on the link, free stuff at the top of the page. It will show you uh, uh, the picture you just saw for the five k giveaway. And uh, it'll take you over to our hashtag SBRSTV group. So we gained, uh, from I think we went from 8,000 when we first were starting this competition or this uh, giveaway mm-hmm. to now we're like at 10 and a half or more. Yeah, a couple and, thousand people uh, joined. That's all you gotta do, yeah, join. And uh, like and comment on the post that that has the giveaway, and then also you know why you're there to answer some reefing questions or ask some reefing questions because that's basically what the whole thing is about. Get in there and get your questions asked. Poor
0: Adam, man. I know uh, like uh.
1: that poor guy's got so
0: many questions uh, coming in at him. Like uh, I tried to help this weekend. Uh, I jumped in. I think I probably, I probably answered maybe I don't know 60, 70 questions yeah. this weekend. So i mean i to my wife hates me, I, but I don't care. i got to do what i got to do. Uh, all right. All right. Oh, we're up to 11,000 members already. Pretty Oh, cool. almost. Almost. Almost 11,000.
1: Get in today. there. Yeah, give us a push. All right. And well, you didn't ants. believe we are going to get to 11,000 on Friday, yeah, man. Yeah, you know, I, I was a sore loser on that one. Uh, what we should have uh, bet? A dollar.
0: Yeah, sour face. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, we're going to Thursday, man. New goal, 12, I think. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know. Whatever it is. Yeah, so we'll draw on Friday morning, and we'll let everybody know. All right, well, thanks for Brightwell taking part and yeah, uh, Tropic sure. Marine, and sure. good luck on winning some salt, everybody. All right,
1: yeah. see Take you soon. Take care, guys.